you know, if you can't find 20 people who you're going to reach out to, to invite them into the community and bring them along for the ride, say, hey, you're going to be a founding member. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I would need of you. By the way, we're building this from scratch together. If you can't find those 20 people, you probably shouldn't start that community yet. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, I have Andy Gutormson. He is the co-founder of Circle and current CMO over there. And we are talking all about community. You may remember a couple of months back, I had an episode about the future of online courses and online communities. And this, I feel like, is a good kind of second step into that, really talking about how community-driven things are happening. So regardless of platform, what is working today? How are people onboarding effectively? How are people getting people to stay long-term? What is going to be high impact? How do you attract people to your community? We're digging into all of it, and I think you're really going to enjoy this thoughtful conversation. Let's dive in. Hey, Andy, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to dive in today. I've really seen communities over the last decade like have such a huge evolution, and I am looking forward to this conversation where we can really dive into the future of online communities and where that's headed. But before we jump into it, give us a little bit of background about how you got where you're at today. You know, it all starts probably about eight or nine years ago, really got into the online course space. And I was with a, a company called Teachable, which is an online course platform. But you know, spent, gosh, almost five years there working with thousands and thousands of different you know, course creators and coaches and people building these amazing businesses where they were selling their knowledge. And eventually, we kind of like, we started to realize there was a shift happening, which was, you know, before it used to be one to many, I would wrap up my knowledge, I would sell access to it, I, I would provide people a transformation. And you know, what we realized is that there is this big shift happening, where all of a sudden, the course creators, the coaches, the people who they were generating the most revenue, they were providing the biggest transformations, the most impact, you'd go on social, and you would see kind of their very happy students all kind of telling the story of like the transformations and all of that. They tended to be community driven, they tended to be you know, students going through a process together or all these customers who were, you know, using a product together and teaching each other how to use the product, but it was a community first approach. And so eventually we decided, hey, let's start Circle, which is a community platform, but 
there's this big kind of shift where people want to connect with others while they improve themselves. And so that's, you know, really how we got to where we're at. I totally agree. I think people wanting to connect to others is such a huge piece of this. And it's also even more so post-pandemic. I think people are just craving connection more so than ever. Not that we're fully out of it, but you know what I'm saying, that like we went from active and learning and doing all these things. And I felt like so many people were running forward, doing a ton. And then we were all forced to like hunker down. And I think it have required people to reevaluate their priorities and really think about what they want. And a lot of it comes down to doing things in community, doing things with people, learning from people that are at stages ahead of you, but also being able to mentor people at the same time in those environments. And I think that can be really incredible. But it's been an interesting shift because when I started, there wasn't really even such a thing. Like, It was happening in blog comments. It was happening in comments on Instagram. And then Facebook groups happened. And there was this big push to join and grow all these Facebook groups. But in the last, I don't even know, five years? I'm guessing at this point. We've started to see all of these independent community-based platforms pop up. And one of the biggest flaws that I have seen is the stickiness and like, how do you get someone to come in and stay in and utilize the thing? I love the lack of distraction from, you know, world news and your sister's dog is dead. Why did I go with that example? I have no idea. But like, you know what I'm saying? You jump into Facebook and you're sucked into an entirely other world versus you can go into these other platforms and be really laser focused on what you're learning, absorbing etc. So what do you think the trend is going on there? Yeah, so I think a little bit, you know, some of the challenges, right, which you just mentioned one of them, which is the stickiness, keeping people engaged and active. But you know, for a lot of us as people who create content, teach, share ideas, provide like outcomes to let's say students or members or customers, it's a noisy world out there. And so, you know, it's really important to differentiate. And it's almost like a lot of consumers, the people who are buying these products and the work that we all put out, they almost demand some of this like differentiation. They demand the community aspect to it. And so it's kind of becoming more of the, before it was like a nice to have, it's a little bit more on the spectrum of nice to have versus like table stakes, kind of becoming a little bit more table stakes. And so it really in a competitive world, right? And like, let's, let's be realistic. It's pretty competitive out there. It really helps to differentiate. And so I think, you know, one of the challenges though, you just alluded to is like a lot of people are on Facebook. And so it's kind of like, you know, it's there, it's maybe it's really distracting, but people are there. And so people, you know, will engage there and all of that. You know, if you want to get people to really participate and engage in this community experience elsewhere. You have to make sure you find the right people, onboard them, right? We could talk all about like the proper way to, to do that, you know, sort of stuff. But it's a very different dynamic because before, you know what it's like when it's like it's one to many. It's not like connecting people in your audience with each other. That's an audience, right? And those are followers. But when you connect those people with each other, 
you kind of have to get out sometimes from like behind the camera. Like you're talking to real people now. There's a little bit more high stakes with that. And so you can't hide behind anything. Like they're providing the transformation. Your members are talking to each other. That's a higher bar to kind of stand up to, you know? Speaking of that higher bar, I do think it's really important to differentiate the difference. Because I think a lot of people will say, I want to grow a community. And they actually are talking about growing followers or an audience. Growing community is a lot of work. I mean, not that it's a bad thing. It can be such an incredible way to monetize and grow and educate people. But it is entirely different than growing a group of people who are listening to you. And I've definitely done both things. And they both require different parts of you. And you have to show up differently in both kind of scenarios. But can you talk to me a little bit about the difference between followers and community-driven conversation. Totally. So one of my favorite examples is Dr. Becky. She's a doctor, but she has an amazing community, but also a following, right? So she is both. And she helps parents become better parents. And she really started by, you know, creating a following, for instance, on Instagram and places like that. But, you know, eventually she created a community where she's like, there's so much value between all the parents that are in my audience, like they have so much to share with each other too. They don't just have to hear from me. And so, you know, what she did was before she would you know, post on Instagram and social and get tons of feedback and it was great. And by the way, a lot of people that have a community, they're still like building a following separately too. It's kind of like, that's more top funnel and then down funnel, mid funnel is more of their community, you know, from a business perspective, but the community itself tends to be kind of, so actually speaking of Mariah, who's one of my favorite people on the planet, I consider a friend. I think actually she used to use the phrase like signature course when she would talk about her course, right? And then there's people have used the phrase signature offerings a lot. A term that we've kind of stolen at Circle that we use a lot is signature gatherings, which are kind of like, what are your signature gatherings within the community, right? And so, you know, somebody like Dr. Becky, she might have in her community signature gatherings, like, you know, I might bring in an expert to teach, you know, every single week on a topic. And how can we make it more of a community experience? Well, you know, what we can do is we can ask the community, hey, what do you want to learn for the next four weeks? Who do you want to hear from? And then I'll go out and I'll go find that expert, right? Or we can do it even one step further. We can say who in our community knows a lot about a certain topic. Let's pull people to see what they want to learn. And let's see who else in the community actually like, can teach this thing really well. Like that's really a community led experience. And so, you know, another example of a signature gathering might be something like we can do a challenge or, you know, we're going to have a book club or we're going to do, you know, hot seats where somebody sits kind of in the hot seat and then, you know, five, six, seven other people all show up, they share a problem, but then the other people try and solve that problem. We have like, there's like 15 different types of you know, what we call signature gatherings that we see are, are really common. And the cheat code, if you really want to know what the best ones are, is you go to the really successful communities that are out there, the memberships, all of that, that, you know, have raving fans, you go to their landing pages, and then you just look at everything involved, you know, in the community, those are signature gatherings is really what those are. And a lot of people, they go to these landing pages to see all the stuff, all the fancy stuff in these memberships. But the best communities, they tend to start out with like two or three signature gatherings. Like just, I'm going to deliver a ton of value with these two or three different things. But that's like real community. It's where you're 
enabling your members to give value to each other versus a following. Yeah, I see that kind of happening when people look at a more established business or a business they idealize and want to be like, you know, we started a template shop in 2020. And literally have thousands of templates at this point. And people will be like, I want to start a template shop. And I'm like, what about one digital product? Like you don't need this gigantic thing. Honestly, I built a beast. Don't build a beast. Like it's, it's just unnecessary. You can be very successful with something that is simple. And that applies to so many different things. Like I know when I started my first community, the only goal, the only goal was to surround myself with people that were like at the same stage of business, just so we could like ask questions about technology and talk about like issues with clients and like share the day to day because there was nobody else in our business. We didn't have coworkers to like bounce things off of. We need to be like, how do you set up an email service provider and connect it to blah, blah, blah. Like it was the most practical, you know, use case out there. And now that's sort of like become, you can Google all of those things, but back then you couldn't. And so like, what is the thing that people are craving more of and you could provide that is way more simple than you're thinking right now. Like dumb it down, dumb it down, get back to the most basic roots of it. What is the thing that's providing the most value or giving the most opportunities to other people to see quick wins? And I think the quicker the win, the stickier the community is going to be. Totally. You know, the other thing that comes to mind is a lot of people when they're going to create a community, like in the spirit of simplifying, a lot of people kind of think that their members are going to just like hang out in the community all day and be typing things like that, like pretty much never happens, right? At least with a lot of like professional communities and a lot of communities that like you or I might be in if we're, you know, from like maybe a business kind of first community, like we're busy, we got stuff going on. Like we're not just hanging out in the community all day. And I think it really can take a lot of pressure off of people when actually they just choose those three or four or two signature gatherings. And I show up for that gathering. And then I leave it. I'm not expected to be there, you know, in between the signature gatherings, or maybe I can kind of, you know, pop in and ask a question. There's like some space for some of that. But, you know, one of the things that's great about these communities when done right is you get to decide what this is, right? Community is such a broad term, but, you know, with a community, the difference between an audience and a community is like an audience, like you're putting content out there, people are reacting to it. You're maybe not like seeing them, you know, face to face, but with a community, people can apply to it, right? Like some of the most successful communities out there, the ones that we all aspire to and look up to. And one of my favorite examples would be Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income has a great, you know, private membership community. You apply, like you go in the first members, you know, Pat has a really great audience, but they were having one-on-one conversations with the first founding members. They were walking them through it. And it's a two-way street with a community, which is different than an audience where we're saying, hey, you know, as the member, we're going to provide you with these outcomes, but then you're going to show up and you're also making commitments too. Hey, you're going to help and you're going to contribute this way, that way, you know, whatever it is. And so it's a little bit different. There's a higher expectation as the member than the follower. With all of that in mind, 
where do people start? Like, how do we attract the people to even start a community and get them to join something? Where would you begin for that? So we just did this benchmark report where we interviewed you know, thousands of, of community builders. We looked at the actual data, like real proprietary data. I, I would say we're probably one of the only you know, companies on the planet that actually knows like what's really happening. Like we're not speculating because we can just look at what's, you know, there. And so one of the biggest surprises was actually the the most, the communities that were delivering a lot of value, generating a lot of revenue tended to be, they could be like a hundred people, right? So you don't need a lot of people to start. And with that in mind, there's kind of this advantage that you have when you're just starting out, which is like with a community, you really do need to be hands-on in the weeds with those founding members. And it might only be 20 people or 50 people, you know, whatever it is. And so you got to use that to your advantage, right? Which is I'm going to be hands-on with these members. What you're not going to do, but what I would be tempted to do, and I'd be wrong, what you might be tempted to do, what others might be tempted to do is try and use all of our marketing skills, create some big launch, some big concept. We love writing all the landing pages, all the emails, all the windows, the urgency, all of that, like kind of that stuff goes out the window when you're going to go start your community. So the first thing to do is you figure out what the goals are of the community. The second thing you're going to do is figure out what are the signature gatherings that align to those goals. Now, the goals, they could be, you know, revenue focused, right? Like I maybe just want to have a monthly membership, which people are paying $20 a month or $1,500 a month or, you know, whatever it is. But I may have other goals too. So, you know, one of my favorite examples of this, there's a community for marketing executives in like the B2B software space. It has 3,000 members, all raving fans, does seven figures a year on Circle. But the course, it generates a lot of revenue. But it also generates all of these opportunities aside, you know, things like the ability to like connect members with jobs, or if I had like a VC community, so there's, you know, venture capitalists, they have their own communities. They have all their portfolio companies in there. They have access to data and stuff like that. If I'm an investor, maybe my goal isn't to make, you know, direct revenue from the community. Maybe my goal is to like source deals and then make investments, you know, from the community. So you got to figure out like, what's your goal here? Is it to monetize directly or, or indirectly? Or do you have like a product where, you know, maybe I have this software product and I have a whole lot of, you know, customers and I want them to stick around and, you know, keep paying every month and getting value and, and learn from each other. Let's assume you're going to monetize it though, right? So that's your goal. The next thing is to figure out what are the signature, like the three signature gatherings that are going to be really high signal and a lot of value that align to your kind of personality and how you like to work, right? So if you really love, you know, being on camera and, you know, teaching and you have maybe more of a business focused community or not, maybe a hot seat is a great example, a lot of value there. So one of my favorite communities is this design community from a guy named Josh Hall works with freelance designers. It's a monthly membership. And they're all kind of similar, right? Because they're all, you know, freelancers, kind of the same type of problems. So one of them might hop in for 30 minutes and say, hey, I have all of these, like, like there's just like one big problem that I have. Can you all help me? And there might be a hundred people in the community, but they might have a bunch of small little groups, six people, seven people, eight people. And each week they rotate who's on the hot seat. Huge value. That alone could just be like a community experience, right? So that's one signature gathering. Great. But if you're more kind of like introverted, maybe you're a great writer, or, you know, whatever it is, like 
you might want to have less video in your community for your signature gatherings. One of my favorite examples would be David Perel, multi-million dollar writing, kind of like almost like a cohort-based course community experience. They'll share the written work. They'll get feedback from the rest of the community when they share their work. That's incredibly valuable. That's a really great signature gathering. Every week I publish, I get amazing feedback from everybody else. Like I can pay for that, you know, if I'm a member. So what are those two to three signature gatherings? I would create a landing page. I would have it be a really beautiful landing page. I would invest there. I wouldn't say skip that step. You know, I know, yeah, be scrappy. I would kind of have that be the source of truth to really tell the story. And I reach out to all my channels one-on-one. I'd be sending emails to people, LinkedIn, first degree connections. You know, if you can't find 20 people who you're going to reach out to, to invite them into the community and bring them along for the ride, say, hey, you're going to be a founding member. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I would need of you. By the way, we're building this from scratch together. If you can't find those 20 people, you probably shouldn't start that community yet. Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely think about how I've started communities in the past and We've done it a variety of different ways. Most of the time, I was doing it through some sort of sales mechanism where I was doing a launch of sorts. But that first initial launch was not ever about big splash marketing. The first launch of any new thing I've ever done was about re-engaging the people that are already paying attention. Maybe they stopped paying attention for some reason, or they've kind of gone off and done their own thing for a minute. Like, how can I like wake them back up and be like, hello, I still exist over here. And then share what I've been working on and what I'm thinking and what I'm excited about. And I think the more you can show your own enthusiasm for the work that you're doing, people love that and they want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of good energy. And it doesn't matter if you have eight people or 20 people. Like I know the first time I ever sold anything with a community attached, there was only eight people that joined and I only made $500. But those group of people, like high impact, Some of those same people have repurchased from me eight and 10 years down the line because of how willing I was to show up and be there for them. And it didn't matter that I didn't make a lot initially. Like that wasn't the goal. I wanted to actually see change because any sort of result or proof (laughs) that this is valuable is honestly worth more than their payment because you can utilize those words and that feedback to engage new people to be a part of it. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. 
Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Totally. I mean, maybe more of a question for you, but like when you go out and you get those eight people... It's kind of like, are you're thinking about it in terms of, hey, this is more so for me to figure out, like, can I help these eight people? Because then, then I can really turn this in. Like, I know I can start to kind of like scale that and turn this into more of like a real long-term product or business line or whatever it is for you. Is yeah. that how you're thinking about it? Yeah, I'm focused on who in an ideal world, if I could like handpick who I was working with who do I know I could give some sort of transformation to? Like they're in the right mindset or they have the right set of tools or they're in the right place in their business or their life or whatever. And I know if I put X, Y, Z in front of them, like it's basically inevitable that they're going to get results. And if you can't, I mean, if you can't guarantee that, like I would refine what it is that you're trying to do. Because like, I think having some sort of dynamic change is important. Not that I haven't had communities that were just completely help based, like I totally have. Those tended to be free communities. And people would utilize them for different things that the tech one I kind of mentioned early on, it kind of evolved into a place where people would get new clients and like, post about hiring within their own business and get VAs and that kind of thing. But 
for sure, for me, it was focused on who can I help and how can I basically guarantee they're going to get some kind of transformation. And, you know, is it going to work with eight out of eight people or 10 out of 10 people? Probably not. But if you get three success stories, one success story, like you can leverage that and utilize it for something else. But to just make y'all feel a little bit better, I remember the first time I launched a digital product and there wasn't a community for this one specifically, but I was putting out a sales page. I was doing launch. I had no testimonials. I had no proof that I knew what I was talking about. So I literally took a picture of my dog and my dog had a quote on the sales page talking about how legit their mom was. And I got hundreds of emails saying that was the reason people bought the course. People went on to buy it over 10,000 times. And I probably left that testimonial for my dog up for five years. So like you being yourself can also just be enough. Like it doesn't always have to be this like massive proof that you know what you're talking about. Like your personality, the way you approach things, you being you is great. Totally. It takes some of the pressure off. You know, it's like we feel like, all right, it's a new product. Everything has to be perfect. I have to make the case. And it almost can feel like I'm overselling myself or the product or whatever it is. It kind of, there's that like that energy. And then it's a little uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden you can kind of remove that energy when you're just like very transparent about, hey, you're going to come in and we're going to almost like build this together. Here's what this is not. This is not like a perfectly polished, Thing. And you can use that as an advantage for, you know, getting started and all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're the customer or prospective customer knows exactly what I know. We're all very much aligned in terms of what they're getting and what the promise is. Yeah. That alignment is so important. I also think the alignment has to start from like day one though. Like we talked about onboarding. So like, I want to get into that a little bit because I do think this is where a lot of people flop. People spend so much time trying to sell or like get people in or get someone to sign up or like whatever that like the moment they say yes, they start failing. (laughs) And so like, what have you seen be the most effective ways people are onboarding people into community? Well, you nailed it. Let's think about this for a minute here. We spend maybe months think about how to get people into the community to buy then they buy and we spend months maybe spend 40 percent of our effort on how do we get people to buy maybe we spend 60 percent like once they buy how do we deliver all the value and we spend zero on the onboarding piece in the middle like a little bit that because it only happens for a few minutes or a couple of days in some cases but and if you get the onboarding wrong like you're almost like dead on arrival right so I think it's instructive to look at the folks who really nail this. One of my absolute favorite examples who I mentioned earlier is Pat Flynn and Matt Bartlett from SPI, who have a business community. And I thought they were, and they did a few different cohorts and they started to kind of like learn over time what works, what doesn't work. But where they ultimately landed, which I think is genius is, so first of all, they kind of do a rolling admission. So like quarterly, they will bring in new people instead of like all day, every day. What this opens up for them is that they have a bunch of people coming at the same time who are to get the same type of experience. What they do, you know, I remember being 18 years old, I had to go to college and we had uh, 
I'm really nervous. It's the first time kind of away from the family, you know, and going off and, you know, a month or two months before they do like the freshman orientation. And I'm there with my parents. I have no idea what I'm doing and going in and going to meet all the other, you know, incoming freshmen. But they do that so that you show up, you know, a month or two later and you've already met a bunch of people, you know, people, you kind of know what to expect and all of that. Matt and Pat, they did the same thing for their community. So they'd have people come in, they'd apply and they would have conversations with a whole bunch of them. And by the way, these are, you know, Matt and Pat are pretty big names. Like they don't need to do that, but even they're doing this work and they're having one-on-one. And so then they, you know, tell people what to expect, right? All the way up front. Here's kind of like our little upfront contract, you know, not an actual contract to sign, but expectation setting. You're going to come in, you're going to, you know, we need you to attend these events. We want you to contribute. We want you to help. You know, of course, ask questions, but help answer questions when you see them, you know, stuff like that, tied to the signature gatherings. They come in and they say, you know, the first day is a month from now, but actually we're going to have a new member orientation. It's two weeks before that. You don't even have access to the community yet. You're just going to come in with like 20 or 30 other folks who you're going to be there and, and we're going to go through. We'll spend an hour, a couple of hours all getting to know each other, you know, do some fun stuff or whatever. Then two weeks later, they come in all on the same day. They're all invited into the community. Now, when you get into the community, the first thing you see is this really great, you know, video from Pat welcoming everybody in, kind of explaining, you know, how to get onboarded, how to get up to speed. Now, when you onboard that new member, there's a few very tactical things that you want to do to really give yourself the best chance and give them the best chance of like getting, you know, properly engaged into the community. So the first thing is you want to just give them like a lay of the land, like what are all the different, like valuable areas, like those signature gatherings that they signed up for, like, how are they going to be able to participate in those? If it's a hot seat, if it's like events, if it's discussion areas, feedback, whatever, like where can they go to actually do that stuff? I love the idea of a new member checklist. This is something that they do in a lot of the communities, which they literally tell you, go through all of these things. And by the way, like incentivize folks, give them that like dopamine rush, give them the positive reinforcement. So, you know, when they go through those things, have them DM you like send you a private message and say, I went through everything and then give them like some sort of gift or something really valuable for them to kind of like reinforce they made the right decision. Cause they're still trying to figure out like when they sign up that first day, they're like, all right, did I make the right decision? There's a lot of judgment going on, you know, in those first hours. So there's kind of like the lay of the land. Then the next thing is get them to make one connection with a member, have them like connect with somebody else, a real person, because that's what the community is. And you can have them, of course, go and like introduce themselves or whatever. Like everybody does that kind of stuff. It's fine. You could do that. Or even better, you can introduce them. Use your influence to make a big impact in the community. Say really nice things about them. The other thing you can do is just literally introduce them to a couple of people or whatever it is. And so you give them this onboarding checklist, this get started checklist, lay the land. They have, they've had a real connection already. They know what to do. They're feeling good. That's how you properly onboard them. And of course, you set the proper expectations up front with them too. So you've done a lot of things right in a short amount of time here. Yeah. No, it's so funny to hear you speak to this because when you've been doing this for so long, you kind of take for granted some of the things that you just feel like are normal when so many other people aren't even seeing it as an option or they hadn't thought about it. And, you know, it is so different. If you're running a free community, could you do all or none of this? Sure. And I think a lot of people, especially if they go from kind of like the free community landscape over on Facebook to some sort of paid environment, they don't like think through 
how important this step is. And I will say to kind of break down how I've done it a little bit differently, kind of depending on how much someone was paying or whatever, you know, in a high-end group coaching environment, I would have one-on-one calls with every single new member. It was 15, 20 minutes of my time. It was literally the same call every time. But one of the really key pieces is we would go over their initial goals. So it made it clear to them that I knew and understand what they wanted out of my community. And then I did exactly what you're talking about, where I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for you to meet. And I would like talk up another member of the group. And then once they were in the group, I would tag the other person and be like, you need to meet this person. You guys have this and this and this in common. Like you're going to love it. And the more connection you can create early on, I think there's lots of opportunities there. When you start to get into that one to many, I see a lot of people get lazy where they think like one video is enough. But if something's brand new, like do so much more than you think is necessary because it is just going to up the value for people. And what I think people don't realize is if they go really hard on onboarding, the willingness for someone to like actually finish whatever it is that you're working on together, if it's a challenge or going through curriculum or like whatever, they're way more likely to actually implement what it is that you're trying to get them to do. Versus if you fail in onboarding, it could be the kind of thing they purchase, forget they own in six months from now, sent a ranty email about like, I've got no value out of this thing. And I never even came to a single call and da, 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 da. Like, you don't want that. You want people to be blown away week one. And that's how you create loyalty and get people to come back again and again. Over 60% of my community that you can cancel anytime, my membership, you can cancel anytime. Over 60% has stayed more than a year. Several people have stayed three years or more. Those stats are ridiculous. (laughs) That's really, really great. Like that says a lot about the value people get. Yeah. So you showing up for people makes a big difference. And I think people tend to think it requires so much of themselves, but this can be work that is very rewarding. Like it doesn't have to be work that's just work. Like I have made so many better friends and better relationships, better understood the needs of my clients so I could have better curriculum to actually teach them better because of how I show up for them. And I I think it's a really important piece that people miss out on. Hey, question for you in terms of like keeping the energy and sustaining it. I'm curious your take. So what we've seen a lot is that yeah, everybody thinks about community and they kind of default to membership programs that are community focused or members connect with each other that are almost like ongoing without any specified end date. We've seen a lot of the best communities that are run are actually like fixed. They have like a start date and an end date with like some type of goal attached could be with a course or some challenge or whatever, whatever it is. Did you start with one or the other? Like, have you found like a version that you prefer over one or the other or that you use kind of like different types in different scenarios? So, you know, I think for most things I've done and put out into the world, the first time I did it was definitely with some sort of cohort or group. But almost always, 
I immediately went into some sort of evergreen scenario. And I just, I personally get really turned off by the like false sense of urgency that like this is going away and you have, like it just bothers me like and it always has and so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with opening up quarterly I think from an operational perspective there's a whole lot of reasons to do that but I would rather just show up consistently and have like a shorter term rhythm or right now I'm kind of doing like mini launches once a month, but they're mini. And I like just keep talking about it. And so it's more of a slow drip for me. I don't have like this time of year where I'm spending a million dollars on advertising and like wasting away two weeks of my life. I literally from a self-care perspective could not do that. I have done it before and hated every second of it. And so I have found that starting with an initial group of people where the beta or the first cohort or whatever, honestly, they're probably going to get the most banging experience that they're ever going to get. But I do learn a lot from them, improve from that group, make tweaks to the program, and then consistently show up after that and go into some sort of rolling enrollment. But none of my programs close. The only reason they ever close is because I feel like they need updated and I don't ethically feel in alignment with continuing to sell them. So I'm not closing them because I'm trying to like hide stuff from you. Like, I want you to be like, this is five years old and the entire tech has changed. You're right. That's why I don't sell it anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, one option in terms of like, like a happy medium is to always keep things on. Like you could always be accepting new folks into the community, but you can also do like a kind of monthly cohorts or something where it's like you're bringing people in together, but like it's always available. Like you're always able to sign up and then you're going to be joining in two weeks when the next, you know, group starts or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's a good happy medium. And I would for sure consider it for different types of things. I, I don't know. I'm just always creating. And so there's a little bit of something, something always happening. I will say to my own detriment, and I'll call myself out on this. My business is smaller because I've done so many different things. If I had stayed in one lane and talked about the same type of thing for the last five years, my business would be much larger than it is now. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to help businesses based on where they're at today and what they're currently struggling with. And if that means I run a smaller business on purpose to serve the people that are in my community long term, that's okay with me. I'm here for loyal lifers, not necessarily to only ever talk about one aspect of someone's business. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it sounds also a lot more compelling and fun. It is way more fun. It's so much more fun. And I, you know, financially, personally, I'm doing great. So like, it doesn't necessarily matter. I think there's this like, myth that you have to have it look a certain way and like pick your niche and like only ever talk about the thing. And you're an evolving human that has different needs and different seasons and you can show up differently. And I have definitely launched different in each of those seasons and had communities where it required more of my time, like somewhere I had calls weekly versus some that had no calls and it was only text-based community. Like you can kind of ebb and flow based on where you're at, but I think it's such a great environment to continue to grow. Well, 
any final words before I let y'all go? Do you have, you know, a bit of feedback or magic you feel like you need to like get out into the world? The only thing I would say is I, I think there's a big, right now, there's kind of this really big trend. Everybody's talking about, you know, I'm going to go create a community. You know, it's the right thing to do and all of that. First of all, I, I'll just say, even as a guy who runs a community platform, I don't think that's the case. I don't think you have to run a community. I think if you're feeling like, man, I feel really called to do this and I see the upside, great. But the other thing I'll, I'll say is it's a lot of work. And so a lot of people kind of just like, they don't really give it their all. They just go out. They're like, oh, I'm going to dabble. You know, I'll, I'll send the email I'm announcing it. I'll bring people into my community space and that's it. Like, if you're going to do that, don't do it. But if you're willing to do the really hard, like in the weeds work, talk to real people and do it for, you know, a few months and invest. It's totally worth it on the other side, but you know, it's not for everybody, but if you're willing to do the work, it's totally worth doing it. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And if people want to check out Circle, where should they head? Just go to circle.so and give it a look and would love for you to check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. I love talking about the future of community and it's going to have a huge impact on businesses going forward. And I appreciate you being here. Thank you. This was a lot of fun to do. I appreciate it. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.